It's an honor for me to open God's Word to you this morning, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to do so. I'd like to direct your attention to Paul's epistle of Timothy, the second epistle of Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 9. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. And I'd like for us this morning to take a snapshot of this man, Timothy, and what makes his life so valuable for our reflection is that Timothy was a man of Remarkable spiritual depth. Not only was he a man of remarkable spiritual character, but according to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, he was young. And when we look at that fact, we come to realize that Timothy's life really has a lot to say to us, regardless of age. Timothy speaks to every believer in Jesus Christ, as suggested in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 17, 1 Timothy 1, 18, 2 Timothy 1, 2, in which Paul refers to him as my son in the Lord and my dear child, we discover he was a convert of the Apostle Paul. And so outstanding was the spiritual character of Timothy that Luke readily recalls the excellent reputation he had in his hometown among his fellow believers. Luke states in 16 and verse 2 that he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. And one wonders what might have been in that report. I would say a close reading of the epistles of 1st and 2nd Timothy 
Follow closely and it appears that faithfulness was the hallmark of his life. In fact, one gets the impression that it was this particular quality which so greatly endeared him to the apostle. In fact, by his own admission, Paul had such a profound love, such a profound respect for him on account of his dependability. We hear him, for example, in First Corinthians chapter 4, 16, 17. He's writing to the Corinthian church. You remember that was a problematic church. Paul would have them understand what being followers of Jesus Christ is all about. He says, therefore I exhort you to be imitators of me. And here's what he says in verse 17. For this reason, I'll send to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. You have to remember the kind of man that the Apostle Paul was. He was a no-nonsense man. Remember that incident with Mark and Barnabas. And uh, you, you, you'll hear Paul elsewhere saying, lay hands suddenly on no man. And when he speaks in this regard concerning Timothy, you know something of the tremendous depth of this man's character. Describing Timothy as one with a record of proven faithfulness in the work of the Lord, Paul was able to say of him in Philippians chapter 2, 19-22, But I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Here's what he says. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Timothy had such depth of character, he had proven himself a man who was dependable, a man who was trustworthy, Paul saw it fit to take him along with him as his traveling companion on his missionary journeys, Acts chapter 16 and verse 3. According to Romans chapter 16 and verse 21, he affirmed and acknowledged him as his fellow worker, Paul. We discover later on entrusted to him leadership responsibilities. Remember again the kind of man Paul was, a no-nonsense man, a man who really looked for people of sterling character. And here is what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. He says, As I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. I think right away we begin to get a composite of what faithfulness is all about. First of all, we see Paul saying there like a father who has his son serving alongside with him. I would suggest to you first of all that faithfulness, part of what it means to be faithful is to be willing to take a subservient role to one who is our senior then we notice this matter of dependability. Paul could entrust to him this awesome task of correcting false doctrines. 
In fact, here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The opening greetings of his epistle to, epistles to the Philippians, to the Colossians, and to Philemon, what we find there, Paul implicitly affirms Timothy as his colleague in ministry. And all these references underscore the fact of the tremendously high regard, deep respect that Paul had for this young man, Timothy. Now from the little we have said so far, what practical lessons can we learn from Timothy? Timothy had a good report in his hometown among his fellow believers, and by way of application, we could ask ourselves this question, do we have a good report in our neighborhood? Do we have a good report in our particular local assembly? Does our church have a good testimony in its neighborhood? Young people at school... Do you have a testimony that is worth writing home about? Could someone or others speak highly of you? And if they were to speak highly of you, what would be the content of that report? Timothy was faithful and dependable. Is that evident? Is that manifest in your life as one aspiring to spiritual leadership? You might be here today, the question is, could it be, in, 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 could it be the, that the elders in your home church, are they able to find something, some quality that would commend you to leadership? To being entrusted with some area of responsibility, have you, like Timothy, proven yourself trustworthy? I'd like to remind us that when all is said and done, faithfulness, faithfulness, not talent, not charisma, not force of personality, not learning, not giftedness, but talent, but commitment rather, faithfulness is among the chief qualities that proves one's spiritual mettle. As stewards of the gospel, we are reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 and 2, that it is required of stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. I was struck by a reading of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 7, when Nehemiah was seeking to establish leadership after he had rebuilt the walls. Here's what he said of his brother in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 2. No, his appointment to leadership was not based on nepotism. It was not based on any kind of force of personality he had. Here's what he says in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 2. Then I put Anani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. One of the biggest mistakes that are often made in churches, that's often made in churches, is to identify, first of all, when looking for leadership, giftedness rather than commitment, rather than faithfulness. And may I remind us this morning that at the end of the day, that which God 
judges and assesses us for is not how well we spoke, it is not how much of an influence we exerted by the world standard, but how faithful we were in executing our ministry. Timothy was young, here's the point, youth is no license for being lax and frivolous and nonchalant. When it comes to spiritual matters, we find this to be a rare blend in our time. Young people who are seriously committed to the Lord Jesus. The Word of God tells us in Titus chapter 2 verses 6 to 8, urge, he says, Paul writing to Titus, he says, urge young men to be sensible, to be sound, of sound mind, sound judgment. In fact, Paul's word to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, he says, Let no one look down upon you because you are young. How was Timothy to do that? Was Timothy to tell them, listen, you do not look down on me. No, he was to be exemplary in godliness, in speech, in conduct, and so on and so forth. Well, we need to say this much about Timothy. One of the things we discover in the Word of God, the Bible does not paint a flawless, romantic picture of its characters. It gives a candid, comprehensive portrayal, warts and all, of the great saints of God. And what we find about Timothy was that he had his limitations. First of all, it appears that Timothy was by nature sheepish. He was shy, he was sensitive. A close reading of 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8, as well as 1 Timothy 4, 12 and 14 indicates that he was self-conscious, possibly on account of his youthfulness, on account of his limitations, perhaps on account of what we are going to see secondly as his being sickly. It might have been that because his father was Greek, he had what we would, some would call today a crisis of identity. Who knows? It's not for us to read into the scriptures, but suffice it to say, the word of God clearly suggests that he was of a sheepish personality. He was not exhibiting the kind of zeal, the kind of fervor that was expected of him. Paul had to encourage him in various places. In fact, the portion we just read, he says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. He would say to him, 2 Timothy 4, 5, fulfill your ministry, Timothy. He would say to him in 1 Timothy 1, 3, as I urge you, stay, remain on in Ephesus. First Corinthians 16, 10 and 11, we see an, a hint as to his shyness. He's writing the Corinthian church, a very problematic church, and who knows, maybe Timothy was very timid to go to that church. And here's the encouragement that Paul gave to, uh, he's writing to the Corinthian church and he's setting the tone, he's setting the pace for Timothy's arrival there. He says, if Timothy comes, see to it that he's without cause to be afraid, for he's doing the Lord's work as I also am, let no, so let no one despise him. Shyness, timidity. Being unsure as to whether God can use us is one of the greatest hindrances 
to being used of God. How many Christians in our churches are being uh, short-circuiting themselves when it comes to usefulness? Why? Because of dividends, shyness. The reason that because they're naturally shy, well, it's my personality, therefore, I am the way that I am. God really cannot use me. Beloved, nothing could be further from the truth because the Word of God assures us in 1 John 4, verse 4, He says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome because greater is He who is in you than He that is in the world. You and I need not be paralyzed by fear. You and I need not be overcome by shyness. Why? Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, of discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed. The second thing we notice about Timothy in terms of his limitation is that he was evidently sickly. He was constitutionally frail, it seems, always falling ill. In fact, Paul, in 1 Timothy 5.23, had to encourage him, don't, he says, stop drinking just water, but take a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. We're not told the cause of his stomach disorder, and uh, for whatever reason he was sickly. Let's put Timothy's weakness, his physical weakness into perspective. Let me ask you, why aren't you at that place where God would have you to be, that place of service for Him? Is it because of shyness? Is it because you feel inadequate, you feel insecure? Is it because of maybe your physical constitution? Based on Paul's counsel, based on Paul's challenge to Timothy, there's hardly a justifiable reason as to why we should not and cannot go all out for God. Because the truth is, by His grace, by His power, and we see even in the life of the Apostle Paul that even amidst his weakness, Paul was able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and isn't it true that oftentimes it is at that time, that moment when we feel inadequate, when we feel useless, when we feel weak, that God has a way of shining through. Paul was able to say, it is when I am weak that I am strong in the Lord. Maybe you might be here this morning, you might be of a shy, sheepish personality, understand this. You're at that place where God will best use you. Because the truth is, God never uses anyone who is bigger and, uh, you know, so great in their own eyes. We, God has a way of letting us realize our weaknesses. Now, let's wrap this up and let's ask ourselves a question. What, are, what were those principles that were operative in Timothy's life that made him such a man of outstanding spiritual character. And I want to mention to you three things in passing very, very quickly. If we are going to be like Timothy, if we are going to be men and women of spiritual character, men and women of spiritual depth, then these three things must be true of us. Number one, 
Timothy had a faith that was intensely personal. He had a faith that was intensely personal. Paul, if you look back at chapter 1 verse 5, he says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. Paul recognized here that Timothy was possessed of a faith that was anupokrito. A faith that was unhypocritical, a faith that was without duplicity, without pretense. Indeed, a faith that was most real and genuine. Timothy's faith was one that was sincere. Paul makes reference to the formative influence of Timothy's faith. He traces it back, its beginnings, its nurturance in both his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. But notice, notice, in the end, Timothy's faith was not a borrowed faith. Timothy's faith was an old faith. He did not ride on the faith of grandma. He didn't ride on the faith of mommy. He had a faith that was personal. And may I suggest to you that unless we have a faith that is owned, a faith that is personal, a faith that has been personally appropriated, then we'll never be able to weather the storms, the turbulences of ministry. He did not live in their shadow when it came to his relationship with God. Faith has to be personally cultivated. His faith was personal. It was intensely personal. But secondly, what made Timothy's life so remarkable, so filled with spiritual depth, was that he had relationships that were beneficial he not only had a faith that was intensely personal, he had, a, he had relationships that were beneficial. And I would, permit me to add this adjective, he had relationships that were immensely beneficial. Timothy was able to live out his faith and attain the spiritual heights for God because he was blessed with positive, supportive relationships. And you know this, but let's affirm it once again. If ever we are going to reach heights for God, then we are going to have to be selective. We are going to have to be discriminating when it comes to the people we associate with. When it comes to the churches we associate with. That discussion yesterday was so very much appropriate in this regard. We become like those with whom we associate and even though we might be established in doctrine, if we are thrown with the wrong people, believe it or not, as grounded as we are, we can become infected. Timothy had godly relationships. His grandmother Loy and his mother, his, grand, his, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice modeled for him what true faith in God was all about. The very name they assigned him, Timothy, worship of God, suggests how committed they were to nurturing him in the way of godliness. And then, of course, Paul had the apostle Paul, Timothy had the apostle Paul as the greatest mentor, perhaps the greatest mentor in his life. We need the right company. Paul will say to Timothy in First Timothy six twenty. He will even say to him, avoid worldly, empty chatter, meaningless. Debates, he says in 2 Timothy 2.14, they lead only to ruin. 
The ruin of those who hear them, 2 Timothy 2, 16, 17, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. In verse 18, he goes on to say that such talk will even overthrow one's faith. Against the background of the prevailing ungodliness of his time, one of the ways in which Timothy was to stand strong was through godly supportive relationships. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, from such withdraw yourself, he says. 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So if we're going to be the kind of men and women of spiritual depth, spiritual caliber, then we must have beneficial relationships. And then finally, not only must there be a faith that is intensely personal, relationships that are immensely beneficial, but notice in Timothy's life, Timothy had values that were manifestly eternal. He had values that were manifestly eternal. Timothy lived at a time, just as our own time, when there was a pressure to conform to the culture around us, the ungodly culture around us, the rank materialism around us, around him back then, a culture of sensuality. Paul told Timothy that as a man of God, he was to flee these things. He was to flee the passions of youth. He was to pursue instead noble eternal values of righteousness. Righteousness there would be conformity to God's standard, God's will. Godliness. He was to be mature in the ways of, 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 of God, being like God as it were, faith, love, perseverance. The question is, what was it that informed his values? It was simply this eternal abiding word of God, nothing else. We read both epistles, so Timothy, and we, and we cannot help but see how much of a tremendous role the word of God played in Timothy's life. Timothy was schooled in scripture from his childhood, Second Timothy 3, 15, he was nourished in the Word of God, First Timothy 4, verse 6. It was by the Word of God that he was to fight the good fight of faith, First Timothy 1, 18. He was a custodian of the Word of God, and notice his progress in the Word of God, nurtured from his infancy, from his youth in the Word of God, his mature years now. He's a custodian of the Word of God, because we read Second Corinthians 1, 13, 14, Second. Timothy 3 verse 14, he was instructed by Paul to retain as well as to guard the sacred deposit of the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 15, he was to studiously commit himself to the word of God. In short, his whole life was saturated with, it was suffused with scripture. Would we know what it is to be spiritually successful, to be spiritually fruitful? then we must bathe, we must saturate, we must soak our minds and hearts in the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 9, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed 
according to your word. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119.11 This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Joshua 1 and verse 8. And then we would close with that great sort of I'm almost tempted to say anthem, but may I suggest theme, verse of us as reformed believers. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given, is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Maybe as elders here this morning, we need to say this. Are we being observant to detect in our churches some Timothys? And let me also suggest that like the Apostle Paul, we are going to have to be willing to take some risks. That even when we see Leaders developing in their infancy stage. Yes, notice Paul was able to encourage Timothy. Timothy was flagging. He was floundering at times. But he comes alongside him and he says, Timothy, wake up. Stir up that gift that is in you. Timothy, as I urge you, remain in Ephesus. Let us not readily give up on those young Timothys. Maybe as a grandmother this morning, listen, you have a vital role to play in the life. Maybe you're raising another Spurgeon. Timothy was converted from a very young age. Who remembers the great men of God? Matthew Henry at age 5, Charles Haddon Spurgeon at age 16. Why? Because of their nurturance in the Word of God by godly Parents, may God bless these words to our hearts for his name's sake. Amen.